Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Doctrine Matters podcast. And today, we're going to be talking about something a little different. I know that the past three episodes, I believe, we've talked about kind of fencing the gospel and how you can't do that. We talked about James Coates. We've talked about uh, our society as a whole and the culture and the way it's headed with police shootings and uh, the, the woke mob and all of these things and the social justice and, and liberal theology that's invading the churches. But today we're going to talk about something very practical, something that needs to be happening in the life of every believer. And it goes two ways. Now, we're going to be talking about discipleship on this episode of the podcast. Now, I'm willing to bet that if I were to ask everybody that's listening or either everybody that's watching on the YouTube channel that ask you, have you ever been truly discipled? Many of you would probably say no. Many of you would probably say that you have not been truly discipled, and, and, and some of you may even not know what discipleship even means or what it looks like to be discipled. So that's what we're going to briefly talk about here today. We're going to just kind of lay a little foundation of what foundation, or, or excuse me, what uh, discipleship looks like. We're going to be talking a little bit about what it means to be discipled and to disciple. Now, you know that they were disciples in the time of Jesus. So I think it would do us well to understand what a disciple is. A disciple is simply a follower or a learner or a student, right? A follower or a student or someone who learns from a teacher, leader, or philosopher. So in this case, being a disciple of Christ, of Jesus, a disciple of the word means that we follow Jesus Christ and the teachings that we find in the 66 books that make up our Bible. So many of you, as I mentioned, would say that you've never been discipled in your churches or by anybody else. Um, and you would probably say that maybe you have never discipled someone. Some of you are being discipled now. Some of you may be discipling someone, but that's what I mean when I say it goes both ways. It means that you should be being discipled by someone that is older in the faith, that is more mature in the faith, and you should be discipling someone else. So it's kind of like this chain reaction that we must find ourselves in as we disciple and be discipled by someone else. So a lot of times discipleship doesn't happen because in many churches, and listen, I grew up in the Baptist church. I've seen this happen. I see it happen even now, is that somebody walks an aisle to be saved, or somebody raises their hand, or somebody is truly saved, and what happens is that person gets labeled in a role. That person gets one. How many salvations today? One. Maybe your name gets put out beside it. Well, then that is in turn going to get put out to the local convention, uh, or the local uh, Mount Zion Baptist is our local Baptist association. Uh, it may be your Baptist Association, whatever the name of it may be, but it gets pushed out to the local Baptist Association, and then the Baptist Association is going to take it and push it out. If you're a Southern Baptist, uh, it's going to be pushed out to the Southern Baptist Convention where that one name becomes just a name or a number many times on, on a roll. And, and I'm not speaking ill of this. I think it's great to capture salvations. I think it's great to capture uh, any time there is a changed life that Christ has just redeemed someone by is shed blood and, and they are justified by before him. I think it's awesome to document that. So don't get me wrong. Don't hear me say that that's sinful or wrong in any way. I think that is very important to document. So we have a record of those true salvations. But what tends to happen is those records 
just become that. They become records. They become uh, recorded documents somewhere that's put up in a closet. And then at the end of the year, when everything gets pushed out, it says, well, so-and-so Baptist church had 22 salvations for the year or 200 salvations for the year, depending on your style of uh, gospel presentation and invitation, so to speak. Some of you may get that. Some of you may not. That's a little bit of a joke, but not really, sadly. But anyway, some some of these things become just a number. Oh, they they had 22 saved last year. Hoorah. There was all 22 of those were baptized. Hoorah. Those are great things. But it ultimately many times stops right there. Just a number or a name on a roll that says you've been saved and baptized. What has failed to happen many, many years now is that has not been followed up with personal discipleship. So it's almost like taking somebody that doesn't know how to swim and then they finally get up on the diving board. They're going to try to jump in and you've tried to teach them how to doggy paddle and stuff like that. So they're going to try to do their best. You got people sitting around and then they push them off the ledge or push them off the diving board into the water, into the 12 feet water below. And you just expecting them to figure out how to get to the side and pull themselves out of the pool on their own. That's essentially what has happened for years and years and years when it comes to Christianity and discipleship. There's been just, okay, we got you saved. Now you just figure it out, right? And let me just tell you this. Sunday morning sermons, Wednesday night Bible studies, that is not enough. That is part of discipleship. But there needs to be a personal discipleship where, again, someone is pouring their life into you from a biblical perspective. They're teaching you the Bible. And then you are able to then in turn pour your life into somebody else. We see this in the life of Paul and Timothy. Paul pours his life into Timothy. He teaches him how to be a Christian and how to be a a, a believer, that it lives according to the gospel, lives according to the scriptures and obedience to them. And then Timothy in turns is going to become a pastor and then he will begin discipling other people. We see this is a model throughout scripture. So sadly, many people have just become a name or a number instead of truly being discipled and pushed and sharpened by one another to live a Christian life that is obedient to the scriptures. That is ultimately what discipleship is, is having someone teach you the scriptures. People need to teach you how to be obedient to the scriptures. So discipleship must happen. Many of us, we could flip over uh, if any of you have a Bible or, or some of you may be just listening, some of you may know this by heart, but um, many of us know what the Great Commission is. Uh, and I'll just read it here just very briefly. Many of us know the Great Commission that comes out of Matthew chapter 28, which says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, we know this passage, and sadly, we want to go proclaim the gospel. We want to go teach the gospel. We want to see people get saved, and then it ultimately ends there because we're on to the next one to try to get saved or try to see be saved by the word of God or power of God. And we don't spend the time on those that truly do get saved to teach them all that Christ has given us through his word. We also see things like in Acts chapter one, it says, verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We need to be more than just people that proclaim the gospel, but a people that teach the gospel and how to live that out in lives. Because here's what we see as pastors, as leaders, as church folks. We see this all the time is somebody that's saved but never been discipled and something happens in their life seems to be falling apart and they don't know how to deal with it because they've never been taught how to deal with it. One of the biggest things that we need to understand first and foremost when it comes to discipleship is we need to be teaching the sovereignty of God, the character of God. We need to be teaching all about who God is in light of who we are. We get that in a sense in salvation. We know that salvation belongs to the Lord. There's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to be saved or to cross over from death to life. It's all God and it's all by the power that he possesses. And it's all as a result of the Holy Spirit changing our hearts and regenerating us. There's nothing we can do to add to our salvation. So we have to understand who God is and who we are. We get a glimpse of that in salvation, but we must carry that into how we live in our everyday lives as saved people, as the people of God. So that means we need teachers and people to do what God has called us to do, and that's to make disciples. The Bible teaches us in the book of Ephesians that pastors and elders, we are, we are to instruct the people of how to do the ministry. We are to teach them and train them on how to be doing the work of the ministry and how to be doing the work that God has called them to. Sadly, many people put everything on the pastor, including discipleship. So if you've got 100 people in your church, 100 plus, like we do in ours, I mean, that's 100 plus people that one man is trying to disciple or a few men in our elders are trying to disciple. It just can't happen. We need to be training and equipping our people to be able to disciple others because it matters. And I've seen that happen all throughout our church. I've seen people take hold and really teach and pour into other people. And those people are now pouring into other people. So we see discipleship happening, but it has to be taught and, and people need to be equipped from the pulpit and from Bible studies and from interactions that they have so they can learn how to disciple others. So we must teach and train and help each other. Spur one another along, the Bible says. Sharpen one another. And it, I think of it like this. I think of learning a new skill, learning a new trade, learning anything, right? I remember the first time that I changed my oil in my car uh, or in my wife's car. One of the handiest, dandiest things around, and many of you can agree with me on this, is YouTube. If you need to learn how to do something, YouTube it because there's 17,000 people that have already done it and they've taken a video of it and taught and they're teaching you step by step on how to change the oil or whatever it is that you may need to learn how to do. I'll never forget YouTube was not very big at the time. It had just come out and I was like, you know what? I'm fixing to start changing the oil on my own instead of taking it down here. So let me just see what all this entails. So I looked it up. I've studied it. I learned it. I found everything that they were talking about on the style car that my wife had. And then uh, I went from there and I started to do it on my truck. So I had to learn where everything was on my truck, right? And where everything, what it looks like. I had to figure out which kind of oil filter to get, what kind of oil to get for each vehicle. But YouTube taught me. I was a learner. 
And anything, anytime I needed to go back and anything I needed to look at again more in depth, it was there and it taught me how to do something. And now today I can just go find the oil, uh, the oil, the oil pan, the, all those things, right? I can find the filter, everything needed to change the oil. I can find it because I've learned how to do it over the years. The same must be said of us as believers. We must teach people to live out a Christian life in obedience to God and submission to his word. And that happens over and over and over. We should never be a people that stop learning. Uh, now, listen, there are people that can take the things of God and the things of the Bible and they can go super deep, super quick. But then there are other people that have to just kind of take almost like eating an elephant. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So there's other people that are going to have to be going a little slower. So there's some people you can disciple and mentor and y'all can get deep, deep, deep and just walk with each other through that and continue learning. But then there's other people that you're going to have to be patient with because they are not where you are. They are not where other people are. So they may take a little more time getting some of the concepts of theology of, of who God is and really learning how to be obedient in that. So you just got to really play out and figure out who you're discipling and, and don't use that against them ever. You always have to show grace, love, mercy, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control, all those things. You must be patient with people and go as fast and challenge them, but go at their pace, right? You need to go as fast as you can, but, uh, but at their pace still, but also always be challenging them. Give them something difficult to think through and think on, but don't just lose them with big words and uh, big theological words because we could do that very quickly. We've got some guys in our church, man, that can blow you away. They should be seminary professors. They're amazing men of God that can uh, really just go to the depths of the scriptures and pull out so much. But then we have other guys and ladies in our church that we've got ladies in our church that could uh, just go deep as you want to and be just fine. But then we have both men and women in our church that can't go that deep right now because they've never been discipled. They've never learned. They don't know what's to, what to read, what's good to read. Uh, they don't know maybe some of the truths of the scripture like they should. So we have to have this patience with people so that we don't bring them along too quickly and lose them. But also we don't stay in elementary phase, just drinking the milk. We have to move along and progress in our obedience and sanctification when it comes to believers. So uh, those are just some quick thoughts about discipleship. And I, I want to look at the scriptures now that teach us some things and, and, and who needs to be discipling who and, and what the Bible says specifically about it. Uh, one of the greatest books to go to and one of the greatest passages of scripture to go to is the, the book of Titus. The book of Titus really teaches us a lot about discipleship and mentorship and and what it looks like and who should be doing what. So let me just read this to you. If you got a Bible handy, uh, we're in Titus chapter two. We're going to be here and then we're going to go to Second Timothy and some other passages. But I want to show you this really quickly from uh, the book of Titus. It says, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Of course, this is Paul talking to Titus. Older men are to be sober minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, 
working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, verse 6, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. So here we have a model that men should be discipling men and young men. Women should be discipling women. There should never be any instance where a man disciples a woman, even as a pastor. So if you do, and you're a male, you're an elder, pastor, deacon, leader, teacher, something. It doesn't matter if you're just the regular lay Christian, if you're just a regular church member. If you find yourself alone with a woman and you're discipling her, that is a red flag and you need to step out of that immediately. If you, as a male, have to some sort of counsel or disciple or help someone uh, that is a member of the opposite sex with something, you should always have a third party in the room or the door open with people around that can just look in and see what's going on. There's been times in my ministry where I've had to do that. I've had to call people in, leave the door open when people have, are, are still here and they can walk back and forth and look. And we talk loud, all of those things. But it is important. And that's not the ultimate goal of this podcast episode, but you need to be careful when there are men and women. There always needs to be a third party. However, this is part of equipping the saints to do the ministry, as Paul talks about in Ephesians, that we need to be equipping women to be able to disciple women. We need to be equipping men to disciple men. We need to be able to do these things so we don't find ourselves in these predicaments. Now, a woman should never disciple a man. Paul teaches us that uh, women should be submissive and learn from their husbands. Uh, he does not permit a woman to teach. That's another episode for another time. I know there's a lot of controversy surrounding women preachers and things like that. I'll put my cards on the table. I do not believe that women should be uh, dividing the word of God over a man, they, that women should not be elders, that women should not be... Uh, teaching from the pulpit or anything in mixed company. Women should teach, train, and disciple women and young women. Men should teach, train, and disciple young men and other men. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Uh, Paul trained Timothy to train others to train others. He says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. You then, my child... Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So there's that chain that keeps going. You have learned from me. Now, Timothy, you teach it to other men who then in turn can teach to other men how to carry out the ways of God and be obedient to Christ. Teach, teach, teach teach. So it goes down a line and that, that chain should be strengthened as everyone is discipling one another and living an obedient life to Christ. So it's important that we train others and help them be able to train others and disciple others as well. We see Paul tell us in Ephesians chapter six that fathers, this is a big one, fathers, we are to disciple and train our kids Fathers, you are the head of your household. You are the spiritual leader of your household. You should be the ones that are teaching them the word of God, teaching them the gospel and training them up, as Proverbs says, in the way that they should go. Now, I know from a, from a, I'm in this with you, right? Our parents, our parents, us as parents and our parents too, really, but us as parents, we have 
been seen in our weakest moments. We have been seen in sin more times by our children and by our spouse than anybody else in this world other than God who sees everything, right? So it is difficult at times for us as men to humble ourselves because our kids have seen our struggles. Our kids have seen our sin. And sometimes it's hard to rise above that in our minds and be able to teach them the word of God because we feel like hypocrites. We feel like we're not good enough, but that is the enemy trying to get you to not do what you've been called to do as a father. It's the enemy trying to get me not to do what I've been called to do as a father. So men, we are to disciple our kids. If not us, somebody else will. And trust me, and you probably already know, you don't want anybody else discipling your kids. Let me also say this. It is not the church's job to disciple your children. You are not going to be able to send your kid to youth group for or children's church for an hour on Wednesday and go to church for an hour or two hours if you go to Sunday school on Sunday morning and think that your children are going to be discipled. Your children are going to be discipled by the world if you don't disciple them through the word. That is important, fathers, for you to understand. And if women, if you have a man in the home that is not doing this, you step up until he will. Because I promise you, the world will disciple your kids. You need to disciple your kids through the word and train them up. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's very important that we bring our children up and train them and disciple them in the instruction of the Lord. Again, if not us, the world will. I can tell you from my personal experience, when I was 12 years old, the world really started discipling me. I, I, I skipped school one day with a quote unquote friend, and he called another friend that skipped school, and they brought over a videotape, and I tried my best to stay out of it, but then peer pressure got to me. And I watched a video I had no business watching. I should have been at school learning how to do math and uh, all these other things that school teaches you at this point. My parents were working. I was home alone, two, two quote unquote friends. And it started a pattern in my life at that tender age of 12 when the world discipled me, when I wish that my dad or my mom would have been discipling me more and regularly in the home. So fathers, mothers, fathers, more importantly, number one goal you need to be discipling your kids. Mothers, if dad don't, you step up and do it. But we see in the scriptures that we should be doing that. We see that all Christians are to exhort and to train and to disciple each other every day to avoid sin and to stir each other up to love and good works. Listen to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. It says, but exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We should be using what we have, our knowledge, to exhort one another, to lift up one another, to encourage one another, to push one another along. It gets so difficult at times in life, but that is why we are a community of believers. We serve a triune God that is a communal God that loves community, that created us for his glory and for one another to build each other up. So we must encourage one another on a daily basis. So we can train each other in godliness and push each other and challenge one another to be holy. Finally, one of the last passages of scripture that I want to point out here is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. 
that we as believers, every believer has some sort of gift to be able to use for the building up of the body. And 1 Peter 4.10 says this, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Not only should we be discipling one another, but we use our God-given gifts to serve one another and build each other up because it's important that we do not waste our gifts, that we use it to serve God and serve others. So as we begin to wind down this episode, I hope you see the importance of discipleship because good biblical discipleship, and let me just add this in there uh, for those that may be listening or watching, watching, that's a new word. I tend to make words up sometimes, but for those that are listening or watching for the first time or first or second time, maybe you maybe you know this, maybe you don't about me and, and where I stand theologically is I believe in the inerrant, infallible word of God. I do not believe we should be ripping it out of context. I do not believe that we should be saying what it means to me. We should be reading and studying the scriptures by letting scripture interpret scripture so we can understand to the best of our human ability and through the power of the Holy Spirit illuminating it in our hearts and in our minds, what God has actually said in his word, not what we want to take from it, not what we want to think it means, but what God is actually saying in his word. It is when you really open the word of God and see what God is saying for himself and not from our emotions or from our thoughts or what we think or what we feel, but what God has really said, when we'll really start to find that personal growth in obedience to his word. Because listen, Hebrews 4, 12, I believe it is, says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword that pierces bone, joint, marrow, tears us apart, so to speak. It opens us up and exposes us. And it lays us out there. It lays our sin out there for us to see and for us to repent of and then walk in obedience to Christ. So when I say biblical discipleship, I mean what God has said in his word we should be teaching and training others in. Not our emotions, feelings, or thoughts, but what God has already said in the 66 books that he's given us as we know as the Bible. So we should be uh, training one another up through the biblical doctrines of scripture through the biblical text. We don't want to get into some wonky theology. That's why it's important to find yourself in a biblical church that teaches the true word of God, that has men in it that care about the scriptures, that care about their families. You need to be in a church that teaches and preaches the gospel and is truly concerned about equipping you to do the ministry. It is a beautiful thing when discipleship happens around the true word of God and not around a false gospel or a false theology. I believe that biblical discipleship will produce a holiness within the people that are being discipled and the ones that are doing the discipling. And that holiness will grow into a glorification one day when we stand before Christ and we humbly kneel on our feet and confess again, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. It is important that you think right now, who is discipling me? I have in my life personally a few people that disciple me. I've got people that hold me accountable. We talked about accountability on the last episode, but I've got people that disciple me, hold me accountable, that look out for my well-being, that care about my spiritual life. Uh, and I've got people that I'm doing the same with. So it's just this pattern that keeps going, that keeps going. This 
supposed to produce holiness in each person. So think, who is discipling me? That is the question you must ask yourself, whether you're a man, woman, boy, or girl listening to this episode, who is pouring into me? Kids, I know there are some kids that listen to this podcast. If your father is not pouring into your life, ask him to. If a man or a woman, if you are not being discipled, ask somebody to disciple you. There is no harm and no shame in asking somebody to disciple you through the word of God. Think about who is discipling you. That's the first question you must ask. And then think about if, if you're being discipled, who are you discipling? Who are you training? Who are you helping? Who are you helping live a Christian life and being obedient to the scriptures? And if you are not being discipled, when you start to become discipled, who do you see on your radar that you could really take in and start to teach the same things to? And listen, you don't have to wait till you're a year into being discipled before you just start discipling others. You take what you're learning and then you teach it to somebody else. It's that simple. It's like if I wanted you to learn how to change the oil in my Dodge Ram pickup truck, I would tell you, teach you, train you. I would show you videos. I would do whatever it took for you to understand how to do it. So as soon as you learn it, you could teach it to somebody else just like that. You could learn it in a day. So don't think that you have to be in this long, drawn-out process of discipleship. It can start immediately. Once you start learning it, teach it to somebody else. And listen, this is the last thing I'll say on discipleship. Stay consistent in discipleship. Don't go for long periods of time and then stop for long periods of time. I think it's important that we stay consistent in our discipleship as we are bringing others to holiness and spurring one another along to holiness and sharpening one another. So be consistent in your discipleship. Be consistent in who you're being discipled by and who you're discipling because it matters. I've seen lives changed as a result of being discipled. I've seen people's lives seem to fall apart, but they trust the sovereign God because they've learned how to trust the sovereign God through discipleship and biblical discipleship. So again, as we close, who are you discipling? Who are you being discipled by? That is the question or two questions that I would like for you to consider. And I would love to hear your stories. Have you been discipled? When you first got saved, were you discipled? How long did it take after salvation for somebody to disciple you? Are you being discipled right now? Uh, Are you discipling others? I would love to hear your thoughts, your comments. Please comment on this YouTube video. Please like and subscribe to it if you feel led to do so. You don't have to. It's not going to hurt my feelings either way. But I would like to communicate with you. Uh, I've done some communication through the comments, and I'd love to hear Uh, all about your discipleship process, who you were discipled by, how, and how that's gone and how that's going. So please drop us a comment here in this video or send us an email to doctrinematterspodcast at gmail.com where we believe that doctrine does matter. And as a result of this episode, we believe that discipleship matters as well. I thank you so much for listening to this episode and every other episode that you may have listened to. Um, Thank you so much. And uh, I look forward to doing this again soon. Until then, God bless.